Today on IFS Talks, we have the pleasure of speaking with Russell Jones. Dr. Russell Seiler Jones is Director of the Residency, Psychotherapy, and Spirituality at CareNet in North Carolina. He's also the developer for the Spiritually Integrated Psychotherapy Program for the ACPE, and he's a psychotherapist in private practice in North Carolina in Asheville. Russell is the author of Spirit in Session, Working with Your Client's Spirituality and Your Own in Psychotherapy. Russell, thank you for joining us today on IFS Talks. Thank you, Tisha, and thank you, Annabelle. I'm happy to be here. Welcome, Russell, and many congratulations on your book and work on spirituality and psychotherapy. What parts come up for you listening to your bio? When I listen to what Tisha said, what comes up for me is uh, a feeling of gratitude, so a grateful part. Um, I think about so many mentors who have sown themselves into me, you know, through the years of my development and and who continue to. And uh, so the opportunities to do the things I get to do, to to write, um, to teach, and to do therapy. Um, really feel like gifts that I have received in some way through um, the lives of lots of wonderful other people. Um, I'm also grateful for, mm, I I think, you know, I think also just about my clients and um, their patience with me through the years. I'm thinking of them collectively you know, and so their patience with me through the years and um, just the ways that they've touched my heart and taught me how to talk with people in ways that end up being helpful. Russell, Russia's war on Ukraine and all the unspeakable horror and the war crimes we are witnessing are re-traumatizing us collectively again and again. Is there something you'd like to say on this sad situation? Well, it's, it's, it's tragic, it's sad, it's painful, it's complicated. I've thought a few things um, as all this has unfolded. One is I, I just I thought about a, a 75 or 80-year-old adult in the Ukraine now mm. who um, experienced this when they were children, you know, as part of the Second World War. And so to have your life bookended by this, this kind of trauma. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't even know how to put words to that, but that, that, that has hit me a lot. Just that thought. Yeah. Yeah. My brother has, one of my brothers has traveled and worked in you in the Ukraine through the years and has many friends there. And I hear through him from some of them, just the, the, the hardship, the way families are separating um, to survive and and deal with what's happening there, um, and the great courage that 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 is that's just a part of everyday life there now. Um, thank you, Russell. Yeah, thank you for asking me. Russell, you have published this book, Spirit in Session working with your client's spirituality and your own in psychotherapy. 
from Templeton Press in 2019. Why this topic and book on spirituality in your life? Spirituality, it's it's sort of, I would say it's 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 the most important part of my life. It, it's not separate from other parts of my life. You know, my I'm married, I have children, I have work, I have friends, I have extended family. Um, all of that is meaningful to me, but I I I see I see my life through a spiritual lens. And on good days, I live my life from uh some kind of spiritual sensibility and and i do this in the practice of therapy too and i i i think the conversations i have in therapy i think of them as spiritual conversations um, spirituality is not just when we are using explicitly spiritual words or talking about explicitly spiritual topics it's it's integrated with every part of our lives um, and it is the way I think about doing therapy. I think of it as, an, as a spiritual exchange, among other things, but definitely a spiritual exchange. When did you first become aware that spirituality or that connection to something higher was a part of the fabric of your life? I have a memory of being, I don't know, four, five, six years old in bed, you know, at night, the lights are at, it's all dark, I'm alone in my bed, and just feeling the presence of some vastness, some large energy um, that was around me and within me. And of course, I'm five years old, I don't know what this is. I, 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 I did grow up in a religious home, uh, a Christian home, and so that was part of my life from for as far back. It's been part of my life as far back as I can remember. But in terms of my own experience of it, that's where I would date it. And then, and then, of course, <laughs> there are all these years of amnesia, you know, where where ex an experience like that becomes lost, you know, forgotten. And uh, but as as the years passed, I re I reconnected with it. But I think it goes back to very very young. For me, and I and I'm and I would imagine it's part of my unconscious memory as well. I, I'm just telling you my conscious memory. Russell, in your book, you wrote a chapter you called "Working with Spiritual Resources." So, what are those spiritual resources we can work with? Let me back up and get a running start at that. So, I think spirituality is a hot topic in the world of psychotherapy at this point because of the groundwork laid by the positive psychology movement. And the positive psychology movement really taught us to pay attention, not just to symptoms mm -hmm. and struggles and stresses, but also to strengths and resources. Yeah. And so we've learned in the world of spiritually integrated psychotherapy, we've learned to talk about maybe two sides of people's spirituality, the resource side and the struggle side. So spiritual resource, a resource, is anything that helps us survive or thrive. Okay. And a spiritual resource, it's an internal or an external capacity or what's an what's a synonym for resource? Resource that mm -hmm. helps us um, stabilize when we when our world is rocking or it helps us over some threshold of growth whenever we've been 
come to a blocked place or a stuck place. So a spiritual resource could be something external to me, like a community of faith. Okay. It could be something internal to me, like a sense of peace okay. or a sense of joy or courage. Oh, beautiful. If you were to illuminate that resource through a parts lens, yeah. what does that look like? So I am an IFS therapist too. We uh, Let me get that on the record. I did a, Noted. a level one training, I think in 2007 or 2008, and then a level two. And then I've never done a level three. I did Tony Herbine Blake's Intimacy for the Inside Out training, IFIO training. I was on her training staff for two or three years. Um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And uh, so uh, I do think in an IFS, in, you know, in an IFS way as well. So to your question, if I were to talk of spiritual resources from, from a parts, you know, in, a, in an IFS way, I would, I'm thinking more, you know, we're internal resources at that point. So I, I can think of parts of me that carry spiritual energies, you know, like hope or um, love or um, joy. But I, I, when I think spiritual resources in an IFS way, I'm mostly thinking, you know, of self-energy. You know, I'm thinking of the eight C's and the gazillion other words we could give to that energy, which is um, really deeper than words, but it, it's a source of compassion and wisdom, um, curiosity and, 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 and things of that nature. So I, I think when I'm thinking spiritual resource from an IFS way, I'm tending to think of self-energy. Okay. And of course, parts can absorb and be empowered by the resource of self. One of the things I, I heard you say in, in one of your other podcasts was that um, compassion is a spiritual response. And I, I loved hearing that yeah. because it's it implies a way of being in a spiritual place in the therapy office yes. um, just by accessing that feeling and that connection absolutely and i i i wonder if if you could just say more about acknowledging that there's a spiritual element to what we do or um how people can kind of find that and grow that yeah yeah i think people who are listening to this podcast have some experience of this or they wouldn't even be listening you know if if people are interested enough if they're practitioners ifs practitioners or clients or they just heard enough about ifs that they're curious and interested in it then experientially they 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 know what this is like they you can't be anywhere close to this work without having your heart open um, in a compassionate way um, i think therapists who've been with people when you've been with a client and you feel the shift in them when self-energy gets released, when a part that they have been afraid of or a part that they've been hating, when something turns in them, 
and they begin to bear witness and really understand deeply the story of this part and their whole attitude towards the part just changes it's not a cognitive shift it's a whole person energetic shift okay. and once you know once you hear someone's story a part story or another human story it's just hard to it's hard not to love them so the energy of compassion not everyone thinks of that as a as a spiritual energy but you know i think you can think of it in a non-spiritual way as just a psychological some kind of intrapsychic energy and i won't argue with you about that but for me and i think for many others there is a sense of that there's something really big and trustworthy and um deeper than just me that's present in in the when when that kind of energy shift happens and this sense of compassion for a part begins to radiate within mm. and 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 then of course if you're the therapist maybe you're feeling that for this person as well and what, what what's I, I don't know if this is a phrase that gets used a lot in um ifs circles anymore but in my training i heard a phrase that said self begets self mm, i love it and it referenced the contagious energy the contagious nature of self energy and so when either one of us the therapist or the client when self energy begins radiating i think we all get swept up in it Russell you say compassion is spiritual but you say also fear is spiritual how is that well spiritual to me is like let's let's take it's it's a word like the word health okay i can use the word health to speak of being in good health or in bad health and you know i might say i'm feeling healthy and i'm suggesting that my health is good but health exists along us across a spectrum from you know wellness to illness mm -hmm. and spirituality and spiritual energy also exists across a spectrum from energies at one end of the spectrum like generosity and kindness and energies at the other end of the spectrum like greed or hatred so fear i think all energies have a spiritual quality to them and 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 so when i say spiritual i don't think just of things at the you know the light and radiant inner end of things but i also think of things at the dark and contracted end of things into the spectrum as well Russell, does guides as conceptualized in IFS matters for you as a spiritual path? How, how do you see them, guides? I have personally experienced guides. I have sometimes recognized them um, as ancestors, my uh, as ancestors, and I've I've known had some sense of who they were, and I've sometimes not. Okay. Other people have never had this sense had an awareness of a guide being present with them. Different people are aware of different things spiritually. Mm -hmm. But I think of guides as benevolent beings uh, who want to help us. 
and who are we we don't create them by believing them and we don't annihilate them by not believing in them i think they are just present uh in in a realm that is not visible to us um but there are times when different different people will be aware that there's there's an energy here helping me that's more than just me and boy that's an amazing experience and it's it's amazing even just to hear someone talk about it and and to hear how they were affected when a guide showed up or when they became became aware that a guide had been there do you feel that there's um some things that happen inside that need the additional support of guides for healing um i can give you an example of what that question asks if you if you want i would love to hear the example and i i, I yeah well, I was working with a client this week who was in touch with a level of their depression that felt as though it was bigger than them. And we didn't get to the answer of whether it was cultural or whether it was like maternal lineage. Right. But it felt for this person's protectors that it was really and truly to them more than this person could heal on their own. And so there was a light that kind of came on. And I don't remember if I suggested it or if the client did, but well, maybe this needs the support of a guide or, or, or uh, uh, another presence beyond Tisha and client. And, and had this person talked of guides, was that, was, is the word guide a, a, a word that was new to her or was this something you had talked about before? I don't. I don't think so. I, th- I think it's within their vocabulary, right. within their right. realm of understanding. Yeah. But for these protectors, it felt like a huge relief. Like they didn't know. Yeah. That yeah. there was anything beyond them. Yes. And it, there was a lot of emotion. Yeah. But. Yeah. But I we didn't do a full unburdening or anything, and I, I was left sitting with the question. Um, well, do we need? Sometimes do parts really need the additional support for healing or is self enough? Yeah. I don't really know the actual answer to that question. The, the real truth about that is, is beyond what I know, you know, but, but I think there are parts that somewhere along the way have come to believe it's all up to me and I've got to do this myself. And I think when, when clients have an experience of self, it begins to shift for them like, oh, there's something more than just for the, it begins to shift for the part, oh, there's something more here that I might can count on than just me. But I also think for parts just to call out for help, you know, and see what shows up is a, their parts, their people and parts that really learned it's there's no help coming. What's the point of, of asking? And so for a part to be at a place where it could even ask for help or be receptive to help, that's a powerful experience. And uh, it, it, I, I love that you or she, somebody in that exchange just had this intuition that maybe some help would help. 
maybe something beyond us would help. I'll also say, you know, this is that's this is a staple of the 12-step tradition. You know, this, 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 that that whole that whole the healing arc in the 12-step tradition is that at some point you get to the edge of yourself. You get to the edge of what you can do for yourself and the limit of your own power. And you're going to need some, you need something more. And they've done a beautiful job of not giving it a name that everybody has to, you know, bow before and say, and subscribe to a certain dogma that we've got to call it this or that. Um, uh, But yeah, this, this notion that I need help. You know, I, Russell, do, and I, my critical part does, or I, my frightened part does. I I, I could use a little help here. <laughs> and so for uh, for a part to get to, to the place where he can ask for help, that's an amazing a moment. That's a transformational moment. How does that land with you? How does that speak to the experience you had? Well, for me, that... Um... Yeah, it it brings me back to the energy of the session when that uh-huh. that that ask and the emotion about it happened and the possibility of receiving help. What was your sense of the emotion itself? Like what was what I mean, if you may not know, but do you have some sense of what the emotion was saying in that moment for her? Yeah, it felt like a huge relief. Relief. Like we've been doing this work of keeping the depression at bay for so long that, and it has felt bigger than us. And then with that suggestion or that, that insight of, well, if it does feel bigger than you, maybe there's something else that can come in. Yes. It was, it was, yeah. Relief, release, sadness. Yes. Yeah. Acknowledgement of how hard it had been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, some of my clients that I work with are Christian and in moments like that have called in Jesus, you know, the presence of Jesus to be with them, um, sometimes for help, but I also have had clients who've called in Jesus to, you know, to come to express anger or disappointment, you know, or like, where were you when I needed you? Um, so yeah, I, I think the entry of other beings, you know, spiritual beings that they may have a name for from their spiritual tradition or beings that may, they may not have any name for or sense of who or what it is, but that's a spiritual back to an earlier question. That's a spiritual resource. So the system knows the guides to call in or do the guides show up? in your experience i have no idea i have no idea (laughs) sometimes sometimes you know when i when i when i'm with someone and you know they are wanting to ask for help from beyond themselves but they they are not religious people and it's not a um that's not a a request that they have any sense of how to make or to whom to address it I'll just say, well, what if you just kind of leave a little post-it note in the mailbox and put up the flag and just see who comes, you know, see who comes to pick it up. You don't have to know who's going to come get it, who's going to come respond. I love that.
Russell, you may be familiar with the concept of spiritual intelligence, I guess coined by Dana Zoar. I am not familiar with that, so, but, but tell me more. She defined 12 principles underlying spiritual intelligence, and I will give you some examples. Okay. Self-awareness, knowing what I believe and I value, spontaneity, uh -huh. um, holism, seeing larger patterns, relationships and connections, compassion, yes. celebration of diversity, yes. humility, positive use of adversity, learning and growing from mistakes, setbacks and suffering. Yes. And she keeps going for 12 principles like those. Uh -huh. And I, I wonder if you'd like to comment or if, it's, if you find it useful as a concept. Um, the label spiritual intelligence is new to me, but the, the capacities and qualities that you just named, I think those are definitely um, qualities of spiritual intelligence. I'm assuming that that phrase was coined you know, as a play off of the emotional intelligence phrase. And uh, so it's beautiful that someone is trying to articulate mm -hmm. this dimension of human experience, this quality or, 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 or gift. Um, I, you know, different religious traditions have their ways of saying this, you know, in, in Buddhism, there's a notion of the paramitas. And, you know, the, these are like, spiritual virtues and they're you know it depends on which tradition you're reading but you know there are either six of them or ten of them but they include things like generosity and kindness um in the christian tradition there's a there there's a list of what are called gifts of the spirit that include things like uh, love and joy and kindness and gentleness so that list i think what i think is helpful about lists like that, whether it comes from the, a spiritual intelligence lineage or a Christian lineage or a Buddhist lineage, whatever. If you're a therapist, what's helpful about that, to me, what's helpful is it helps me to kind of know what I'm looking for in terms of strength or transformational energy. Okay. So a client in a stuck place, when I see them exhibiting any of those qualities you just read mm -hmm. or when i hear them telling a story in which one of those qualities is on display i think to move towards that strength in that capacity that they are exercising it you know what, what do they say energy follows attention like when when as a therapist we give attention to some virtue or gift or strength or quality of spiritual intelligence or emotional intelligence or anything you want to call it. When we give attention to that and move towards it, it's, mm -hmm. it's a way of helping it grow stronger yeah. in our clients. Yes. And, you know, I, so I, I think reading a list like, like that kind of opens, it, it helps open up the window of awareness for me as a therapist. What are some things I'm looking for? And of course, you don't even, I mean, you don't necessarily need a list. You know, you can just listen to your heart and, and you can feel when energies like that are, yes. are moving or stirring in someone. But I, 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 I know that lists like that can be very helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for inter introducing me to that term. I'm going to look it up. Thank you for your beautiful reflection on that. 
Russell, in your book, you offer two definitions of spirituality. One quite long and eloquent that you say was written for academics. <laughs> and another quite simple and shorter, just one sentence that you say is for the office, for our clients. Yes. And I'm quoting you. Spirituality is all the ways you and God relate to each other. Yeah. And you offer a whole chapter on God and how do you attach or resist to God. So yeah. how would you describe the relationship between spirituality and religion? Well, religion is the easier thing to talk about. Spirituality is very difficult to talk about. Religion is a social phenomenon. It's an observable um, phenomenon. Religion is when a group of people get together and they share beliefs and practices and values and rituals. Um, so um, they've, it's a group of people that have agreed on what's the nature of reality and how ought we to live and mm -hmm. what do we do together to reinforce our connection to the, the deepest reality. Religion is a social group thing. Spirituality is it's so personal mm. spirituality is an in is i would say first of all it's an energy uh, it's an energy way way it's an energy not a concept and so any i've never read and i've certainly never written a definition of spirituality that i really like because every time you try to talk about spirituality you're trying you're having to talk about things that are just beyond the reach of language to articulate okay you know in the book i i chose to say spirituality is all the ways you and god relate to each other and you're right i did write a whole chapter like now when i say god i'm using this term poetically not literally but but i chose to use the word god because i wanted to make readers who have problems with the word god encounter a word that their clients are likely to use beautiful and uh, i i wanted people to have to kind of deal with their countertransference to the word God. So I chose to use it that way, but well done. spirituality is this capacity we have to connect with a, some kind of transcendent energy that's greater than we are. And it's, it's, it's all around us and it's the deepest thing within us. And it's our, it's the, it's, it's the degree to which we are or are not aware of that. And responding to that and we respond to it in all kinds of different ways you can respond to it by having a sense of warmth in your chest in relation to that energy you can respond to that by stopping and helping someone you know who, who needs help you can respond to that by turning your back on it you know you can just respond to it by dissociating from it um At some point in this conversation, <laughs> I don't. This may be the moment. I just you know, when I think about spirituality in IFS, I think of spiritual capacity or our spiritual selves as one of the things that can get exiled. I think our spiritual selves, you know, can become. The, the, I think those can be exiles in the internal system. So we can talk about that now or later. I. I I, I, I want to stay to, you know, stay with your question. And if there's a follow-up question in, that I've, that, you know, please, please put it out here. Maybe. Yes. 
You also present a chapter on working with harmful spirituality. When do you think spirituality can become harmful? Um, spirituality becomes harmful so much, and I, that's one of the reasons it gets exiled. But um, it can be harmful. I mean, just some common examples that tend to show up in, in my office anyway, are people who have been subjected to spiritual abuse. They, they grew up in a, in a, in a spiritual tradition um, in which for spiritually or religiously justified reasons, they were um, bullied or shamed um, or oppressed in some way. So that's an example of harmful spirituality. Spirituality can be harmful when it is used as the rationale to keep people on, to keep one person under someone else's thumb. So uh, there, sometimes people will have trouble leaving an abusive relationship because they've been told it's religiously or spiritually wrong to end this marriage. A religion can be harmful when um, someone knows that they are attracted to people of the same gender and the, their religious tradition has told them that this is wrong. So another way spirituality can be harmful is what's called spiritual bypass. Yeah. And this is whenever people, uh, you're saying, yes, yeah, so you know this term. This is when people lean into a spiritual resource to avoid doing some deeper psychological work or relational work that needs to be done, but they, they go into um, spiritual mode and, and, and ignore some of the inner work that needs to happen. There's a unique flavor that I'm, that I'm interested in when someone is wounded in the spiritual context. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking of your examples, but also the examples of um, someone who has a teacher who does something awful, yeah. you know, uh, abuses someone sexually yes. or, um, and, it, and it happens time and time mm -hmm. again. And then the, I think the specific spiritual wound that people can contend with is a loss of trust in your own self mm. to make the right decisions yeah. about who you follow and what you believe. Yes. And i I wonder if you have any particular insight on ways to work with that or or how to bring that into light. You know, whenever you said that, a particular client comes to mind who not only lost trust in the particular people who betrayed her in, in her religious community, just as you're saying, she lost trust in her capacity to discern who was trustworthy and what is trustworthy. There was another nuance. Then in response to that, she developed a protector that said, basically, I'm not listening to anything outside myself. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to any authority. You know, I do not trust myself to relate well to authority figures that say I have the handle on truth and, and goodness. And so I've got to be very, very guarded. And so my, the way I worked with that was just really to validate and support that protector. I, I wanted her to feel absolutely no pressure for that protector ever to stop protecting her, right? And so that's one thing I think, just validate whatever protection comes up. I think it's important to validate it. 
you know, that's a helpful protector because in its absence before you got hurt. Um, and then I think also, um, I remember saying a lot to her, you know, you can trust yourself. You've got a capacity in you that knows what's real and what's true and what's, what's good for you and what's not. So I think just also just affirming that, you know, this capacity was latent in her and could be strengthened in her and, and, and then watching for her to use it. You know, watching for things, even out of a spiritual context, when she, when she kind of had some sense about what was the right thing for her to do, and, 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 and again, just supporting that, mirroring that, giving energy to that, helping her notice that, that felt all of those things felt so helpful to her in her process. I, I, what when when you hear me say all those things. How do they hit you? And what else comes to mind for you, Tisha? Well, I, I love the idea of really validating the protectors. And yeah, I, I guess the idea of understanding that spirituality gets exiled is kind of coming coming up, you know, what, what you had yeah. said earlier. And and finding the pathway to that to that arena, I, I'm curious about. Yeah. Well, it was, so it was really important that I, as a, an authority figure, not push any sort of spiritual agenda. You know, like I, I could tell that her spirituality had that had necessarily and understandably been exiled in this because of this massive injury that she sustained in a spiritual community. Um, but, you know, you don't go drag any exiles out of where they're hiding in IFS. You know, we wait on the protective system to decide it's safe enough for her to have access to her exile again. And I think what's coming up for me is is that there's also a lot of grief. Yes. It's a huge loss yes. of community yes. and connection and right. connection to God that gets. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because because that's true. It's it's it, it's a loss of this spiritual. It's a loss of her beliefs, but it was also a loss of the people that she had were her best friends. Um, it, it meant loss of connection with some dear members of her family. Um, it, I mean, she lost her uh, physician. You know, her physician was a member of this community and stopped seeing her um so there yeah there are tons of grief russell i have read or heard someone to say that we are spirits with a human experience and not humans wanting a spiritual experience would you like to comment on this? <laughs> Who did say that? I've heard that too. Yeah, I've, I, but I, I maybe Jeff Brown, but I'm not I'm not quite sure. All right. Yeah, maybe maybe who, whoever said it originally. It's been repeated a lot. Yeah, we're we're not humans having a spiritual experience. We're spirits having a human experience. My 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 comment on that was that it they they both sound right to me. You know, we're spirits having a human experience and humans having an experience a spiritual experience. I don't 
think any of this can be separated out. It's we separate it out to talk about it. And and the the meaning of that phrase, we're spirits having a human experience. Uh, the value of that phrase um, to me is it says that this our spiritual essence is probably at the center of things. And our humanness kind of is gathered perhaps around that in some way. But as a literal, so I think it is, it's a poetically true statement. And, uh, but literally, I think it's, I think it's just as helpful paradoxically to say we're humans having a spiritual experience. (laughs) Yeah. Russell, you run training programs in psychotherapy and spirituality. Yes. Are there opportunities for therapists to learn more about working with spirituality in psychotherapy? Yes, actually, there there are lots of them. There, there, there are a lot of places right now where you can begin to go deeper in this if it's a, if it's a, a point of interest or something you feel um, ready to do some more learning around. And I'm connected with two of them. Um, one of them is this program that uh, I direct at CareNet. CareNet is a, an outpatient counseling network that exists across the state of North Carolina. It's connected with the um, Wake Forest Baptist Health Network. And there are counseling, CareNet counseling centers in North Carolina from the coast, a place called Wilmington, all the way to the west where I live in Asheville. And um, our training program is for therapists who have completed their master's degrees and are associate licensed. And they come to work for CareNet, but then we also teach them how to work um, in an ethical way with uh, their clients' spirituality. Um, so that's a pretty limited opportunity, actually. We we take we we hire six people a year, so we have. And they're with us for three years typically, so we're we have about, you know roughly eighteen at a at a time who are part of that program. Um, a much uh, a, an opportunity that's not so limited is the one that I've um, helped develop through ACPE. Um, ACPE is an organization that historically has trained chaplains and people preparing for ministry to provide effective care, to provide spiritual care for um, for people across the spiritual spectrum to a great diversity of people and people of no spiritual um, orientation as well. And in, the, in recent years, it's also begun training psychotherapists to, in how to integrate spirituality. So there's a, a spiritually integrated psychotherapy training program um, for um, therapists offered through ACPE. It's it's a it's a 30 hour continuing education hour training with optional then consultation and certification um past that uh, basic training and um it's it's really a wonderful program i think that the the sweet thing about the acpe program is that it's not just a training there's also a community of people that sticks together beyond the training uh, so it's not just a continuing education um, and then I'm done. But there's I, I think you really learn to do this work well, almost by osmosis. 
by rubbing shoulders and spending time with other people who are doing this work. And so the ACPE program has that opportunity as well. And if people are interested, they can, you know, it's acpe.edu if they're interested in that. Is that available online? We Yeah, th those trainings happen online. We, we're doing them all over Zoom. Yeah. What's next for you? What do you have going on? I don't know. I... I, I, I'm in an in-between time. Um, I uh, have worked really hard the last five or six years to write this book and to help this ACPE training program launch. And I've stepped back just to let things lie fallow for a bit to see what's going to come up. I, I know this, this work, helping therapists um, feel confident about moving towards their client's spirituality, like really feeling okay doing that. That's a very deep calling for me. And so I'm, I know I'm going to continue in that in some capacity. I'm doing, you know, I'll, I'll do teaching and speaking and writing about that, but exactly what shape that's going to take um, is still unfolding you know, but it, but just day to day, I keep doing doing therapy with people and leading trainings through the ACPE program and at CareNet. Russell, thank you so much for having us and for bringing such a beautiful and important topic and energy, spirituality, into psychotherapy. Such a privilege to be here with you and Tisha. And we hope we can keep meeting and sharing this model, our work and our lives. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both very much for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. Me too. Thanks for your time. <laughs>